Matthew chapter 28. All right, so if you're a mom or dad, you know that you are very much invested in the process of seeing your kids come to maturity. Okay, now this is what we're after in parenting. We've got high hopes, and sometimes it feels like we are in a losing struggle. Okay, I mean, sometimes you see these progress and some steps taking place, but other times it's like not so much, you know. And that's that is what we are about as parents. We want to come to a place where we receive our children, we raise them, but then we release them into the world fully functional, with maturity. And we want to see maturity happen in every realm. So we're looking at maturity happening physically. So we we occasionally even feed our kids, right? All right? We are looking at maturity emotionally, intellectually, socially, and especially spiritually. And when you're in the fray of it, sometimes you you miss it. You don't really see so much where they're at or if they're even growing. But if you take a step back, you say, whoa, lo and behold, my kids are changing. They're developing. They're maturing. And just like parents want to see their children come to maturity, guess what? So does God. God wants to see his children come to a place where they are fully mature. Now, what does this journey of maturity look like? I mean, where does it start? How does it go about? What, how could you explain this? And Christians, sometimes we talk about Christian maturity, but that seems pretty nebulous. What is it? How does it start? How does it go about? Well, first of all, it starts by becoming a Christian. Literally, you have to come to a place where you recognize that you're a sinner, that, that your life and how you go about it with its self-centered approach it's not how God has designed you, but that you are actually designed by God for God to know him, to enjoy him, to experience the riches of a relationship with Christ. And that your sin has created a barrier, a separation between you and him. And when you come to a place, you realize my sin is why Jesus goes to a cross, dies in my place, pays the penalty. And you come to a place where you believe in him, the one who is resurrected from the grave. That is when you begin this new life in Christ. And when we talk about maturity, that's what God is doing. So when we come to our text in in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, this is what Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all the nations. Okay? So we've been looking at this for three weeks now, and the next week will be the fourth. But he says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, This is what I want you to do. By the virtue of the resurrection, all authority has been given to me, I am sending you out to do this task to make disciples of all the nations. And that process is, first of all, to establish their identity in Jesus Christ, pictured in baptism. But second of all, you want to help them develop maturity in Christ, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Oftentimes, Christians are just concerned, like, well, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, that's fine. Good. And then we just move on. But Jesus is actually concerned that his children come to maturity. And so we are very much about the business of making disciples, seeing people come to maturity in Christ, and that we are, the third aspect of this is that we are to go global with this mission. 
And Jesus says, you can't do this. That's why my presence will be with you always. I will always be with you. And there's a day that I'm coming to return. So the master said, this is the commandment of the king. I want you to make disciples. And the question is, how do you go about this? Well, first of all, like we said, it all gets started when someone puts their faith in Christ. And so, like when you come to the New Testament, you see that this, this disciple-making mission is on the forefront of the minds of the apostles. Like in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, it says this, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as teachers, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who manifests the standard of maturity. And God wants his people brought to maturity, fullness of maturity in Christ. That's what it means to make disciples. And so when we are making disciples, we are on a journey of not only maturing ourselves, but also helping others become mature as well. So it starts when they put their faith in Christ. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. And so what happens is when you believe in Jesus Christ, the reason that you're new, you're a new creature, is that Christ actually takes up residency in your life. You are no longer the same by virtue of the fact that Christ dwells in your hearts by faith. That's Ephesians 3.17. Or like it says in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but what? Christ lives in me. You are new. You are a Christian because Christ has actually taken up a residency in your life. And so just like a newborn child starts to develop and mature, that is to be the process of, for Christians, okay? Maturity is an ongoing process, and God invests his spirit into his people, and guess what? We're to grow, and we're to mature. It's kind of like when you're adopted into a, uh, if you're adopted into a family, you experience all the blessings, the privileges, the responsibilities of being in that family. And so we do as those who are united with Christ. And so when, you, when we talk about Christian maturity, it is an impossibility until you're first united with Christ. Your faith is in him. But there is a growing aspect of this. We start growing in Christ. And so to kind of illustrate this, I want to use a tree. And I'm just going to walk you through the elements of a tree. And so just like a tree draws nutrients and water from the soil as it comes through the roots, that's how Christians grow and develop. They find their strength, security, hope, peace, and especially their identity in Christ, in God, and it comes and it's reinforced through his word. And so the tree is drawing nutrients, water from the soil. Well, God is intended that we draw strength, purpose, unity, identity from him, from Christ. And it's really, let me give you the two primary ways. It's the word of God and prayer. As we spend time in the word God feeds our soul. Remember Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but by what? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We take time to be in his word. It's like nutrients. It's like food to our body. And when we pray, it's like drink. It refreshes us. 
And this is how the root system is cultivated and growing and developing. It gives health to the body. Now, I don't know if you've ever encountered anybody with a poor diet or some sort of eating disorder, or they're actually starving themselves, but that leads to a whole host of health problems. And we know that physically. If you're on a diet of just junk food, or you've got some, a serious eating disorder where you're starving yourself, you know what happens? That has an impact and an effect on your health. And so it is physically, so it is spiritually. You are, in many respects, what you eat. And so as Christians, if we're going to grow and mature, we've got to spend time praying, being in his word, learning from other believers, memorizing, studying, reflecting upon God's word. And what happens when we do this, we're encouraged in our faith. We're guided in our decisions. We, we, kind of get, we start getting assurances of things that are true about God, about our life. We're, God confronts us with sin. We have opportunities to confess. We're strengthened with the words of life. Now, let me tell you, before you knew Christ, you found your sense of identity, purpose, security, strength from something other than God. And let me tell you what those were. It was rooted in the world, its values, ideals, its idols. You found it in your flesh, these inward propensities, these drives that are within us. And, you, and even though you wouldn't have known this, and you certainly would have said it, but the devil actually drives a system of life apart from God. And prior to knowing Christ, this is how you lived. Do you know why non-Christians live like they're non-Christians? Do you know why? Because they are non-Christians. They don't know God. They don't have a relationship with Christ. Their soul is not being fed. And so they actually, they're just driven by the impulses of their body. They follow the world's ideals. But when we come to Christ, we're now united with him, but you still have a propensity to go back to the world, to follow the the flesh and its desires. And these are extremely strong pulls. I am not the only one that feels these urges. I am not the only one that has come from a life not knowing Christ to now knowing Christ, but still seeing the pull of the world. There is a gravitational pull, and yet... You don't have to live that way. But it's like this. There always exists within a Christian the propensity to go back to the former manner of life. Even though you're secure in Christ because he alone provides your salvation, it's like your roots still want to go back to the flesh and back to the world. And even though the devil cannot take away your eternal security, he certainly can rob you of your present joy. It's kind of like toxic soil makes a tree sick. And it hinders its ability to mature and bear fruit. Okay? Have you ever seen a a tree that is just languishing in bad soil? It's got like all sorts of junk or chlorine being dumped around it. It gets really sick. It doesn't bear fruit. It doesn't look well. Why? Because it's drawing, that tree is drawing its its sense of well-being and nutrients from toxic soil. And that, ex- that ex- same experience can be true for Christians. In fact, it probably is true for many believers. It's the stuff of the world. These idols, whatever they are that you try to fill this, this vacuum that is meant for God alone, whether it be for just entertainment or some sort of hobby, hobby that just becomes your total preoccupation or money or sex outside of marriage or just Anything that you try to find your identity, purpose, security in apart from Christ, 
If that becomes the drive of your life, you are feeding your soul like poison. It's toxic. It explains a lot of why you behave the way you do, why you live the way you do. Because that's where you're drawing your strength. And it's hard for you to reconcile because like, well, I'm a Christian. Why am I feeling or living this way? Because you keep feeding your soul this poison. But you don't have to live that way. Spiritual maturity comes by focusing on Christ, the gospel, the reality that I'm dead to sin, alive to Christ. My sins are forgiven, that my life is found in him. Renewing your mind with God's word, living by faith, walking by the spirit. That's how we live. Now, so that's that's kind of these root systems. And as a tree draws from the good nutrients of God and his word and from other believers, from experiences with God, what happens is it branches out, it starts moving out. And the first thing you have is a trunk. And this really is the character. So just like a tree has a trunk, and that trunk continues to get bigger and bigger, the trunk of a Christian's life is their character. It is the experiences that they have with God as he shapes their convictions and their conduct. And so this is what happens. Based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God seeks to bring about changes and development. We could even use the word transformation to your character. He starts changing it from being self-centered and narcissistic to actually focusing on God. He, he develops a completely new sets of morals and ethics and what you believe things. And so God starts shaping our character, and it comes in two major areas. Your convictions, that which you believe, your values, your attitudes, and your conduct, your behavior. And so what happens for the Christian, you, you get the ability to start resisting sin, to learn to live by faith. You, you become gracious. You actually can start becoming generous. You have a heart that loves God and desires to start loving other people. Where does this come from? It comes from Christ, from his word, from this relationship with God. God is seeking to make you like his son, and it shows up in your character. So when he talked about, there's first of all these character convictions, what you believe. And so what Christians believe about scripture, God, sin, salvation, heaven, hell, life, death, ethics, morality, origins, creation, money, the purpose of life, God starts shaping these and changing these as you abide in Christ and draw from his word and pray. This, these are the experiences that start changing your character. Little character change suggests that you actually have not a whole lot of root development. But where your character convictions begin to change, but not only your convictions, but for a Christian, your behavior starts to change. Christ is in the process of changing who you are. Now, there's things that are positionally true about you, like you're eternally saved, uh, you're automatically going to heaven, okay? You're completely set apart to God by virtue of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But there are things that become progressively true of you as God brings about changes in your life, changes in your convictions, but also changes in your conduct, like how Christians behave in the world. One of the primary ways that you see uh, your, your conduct developing as far as your character is like the fruit of the Spirit. Does anybody happen to remember those? Galatians chapter 5? Remember? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Before you start quoting it, this is what God is seeking to develop in you as part of the core of your being, your trunk, your character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. This is what God is seeking to do through his spirit. Your character is changing. You're becoming more like his son. But there's other uh, aspects of godly character that God is seeking to develop. And I don't intend for this to be exhaustive, but let me start describing to you what mature character looks like. Like, for instance, being truthful, confessing sin. Mature Christians confess their sin, not rationalize it or ignore it. Showing a willingness to reconcile. Uh, Maturity could be found when you are granting forgiveness. You're expressing to one another's in biblical community. You're, You're being able to engage in healthy and honoring social relationship. This is a character trait of those who are mature. They actually have healthy relationships because they're healthy and they're maturing. They are able to keep commitments. If you say that you're going to do something, by virtue of your relationship with Christ, you become a man or a woman of your word. But mature character is multifaceted. Let me give you some others. Like humility. Even though you may be very gifted and God may have accomplished a lot of things in your life, there is a humility about your life. Gratitude. You're thankful. What I'm doing is I'm describing character of Christian maturity. You have a wise use of your finances. You recognize that you're just a steward of what God's entrusted to you. And he wants you to do a good job with what he gave you. Um, Another characteristic of of maturity is generosity. You're not just clinging to stuff, but you become gracious and generous like Jesus. That you have discernment. That you can make wise decisions. Mature Christians exercise discernment always from the kind of shows that they may or may not watch to activities that they're going to be involved in to ethics and and decisions that they have to make about their business. They're always exercising discernment. Just because it's on TV or some politician says it doesn't mean they need to buy it. They run it through the grid of Scripture. And a newborn Christian just isn't automatically like, oh, I got this all built in. It just happens automatically. I wish that was the case. However, it is not. The Scripture says this is an ongoing process. But let me assure you, mature Christians exercise discernment. They make wise decisions. They are thankful. And here's another one. They exercise emotional control. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? And God doesn't just like pick one of them. It's all of them. Remember the final aspect of that? Self-control. Spiritually mature people are in control of their emotions, or better yet, God's in control of them and allows them to make good choices of how they express themselves. But do you have folks that are immature, even if they're Christians, they're just blowing up on people and spewing this out and just living by their emotions, which is basically a train wreck ready to happen. It's like living life by, with the caboose driving the train. Well, that's because they haven't matured. But mature Christians exercise emotional control. And so what happens over time, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, through prayer, through the Word of God, through the influence of other Christians... Believers mature, and this is what God intends, that we would be fully mature. And so what happens is anger and greed and jealousy, narcissism, fear, violence, selfishness, self-absorption, through the power of Christ, you're changed. And it's replaced with a character that is like Christ, from Christ. And so when Jesus says make disciples, he's not saying just get them to believe these three truths about God and to have them admit they're a sinner, it's far more than that. It's that they become fully mature in me. That's what he wants. 
And so it is an ongoing process of maturity. It's kind of like this. I mean, we see it all the time, like in athletics or with musicians or all of you that have careers. You are always doing things to get better, right? Even if you're a really good natural athlete, you have to learn how to apply yourself, develop your skills. And the same is true with character. It's an ongoing process of growing and maturing and developing. You do it in your careers because you're forced to. Otherwise, you're out of a job. You do it in athletics. Otherwise, you're on the bench. And then you're no longer even on the team. It is also true in the Christian life. We keep growing and maturing. You're always on the team if you're on Christ. Don't think he's going to kick you off because you just haven't developed your character in the last 10 years. However, he wants you to experience the fullness of maturity in Christ. That's what he's after. And so that's what happens. Character development is a lifetime process, but he fully intends it's going to happen. But so as your trunk starts growing and developing, you develop gravitas. You have strength. You have the ability to make good decisions. The character of Christ is being manifested in your character. Just like a tree starts branching out, there are two primary venues in which Christians demonstrate maturity in Christ, where the character of Christ comes into play, starts changing. And the first one is their relationships, okay? And the second one is their ministry slash careers, okay? So spiritual fruit is actually developed in people's relationships. It starts with this relationship you have with Christ. You're growing in his word. Your character is being changed, shaped, fashioned, developed. And guess where this starts showing up? Or it's supposed to start showing up in your relationships. So, for instance, with your spouse, you, you all of a sudden you get the idea from God's word that you are supposed to love your wife unconditionally. What? What? Yeah. I can't do that. I know. That explains a lot, doesn't it? But Christ, he can. And he wants to teach you. He's going to empower you. He'll give you the strength to do it. If you're a wife and you're married to a husband, you're to to respect him. If you can respect your husband, why, you turn him loose. It, It is probably the key that frees him to take these next steps. To align yourself with his leadership, like, oh, not my husband, oh, my he is a work in progress, and I don't even know if it started. You might be thinking that, and you're like, I can't do this. Don't be looking at others, okay? okay. But God can, and he intends to do it. Uh, for instance, you're to honor your parents. If you're a kid living in your home, to honor them, to respect the authority, because God has placed these parents over you. And if, as you're older... As an adult child, we're still called to honor our parents. Now, we're not necessarily obeying them. They're not telling us what to do. I mean, we're now established in our own identity and in our adult personhood. But we still honor them, even if our parents are hard to honor. Who can do that? Christ can. Where do you get such ideas? From the Bible, like Ephesians chapter 6. And so God plants the seed, and the seed takes root. And as that takes root, it bears fruit. Or, for instance, we're to be engaging one another. God is in the process, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, to break down those walls where you actually have a concern with someone besides yourself. That life isn't all about you, but it's actually about God and about how God might use you to be a blessing to others. Um, Let me tell you, it also shows up in your relationships where you're willing to invest in others because you care. 
When you see people serving and investing and involved in, in the needs and the lives of other people, that is an illustration and a demonstration of maturity. And when you see people forgiving others who have hurt you, that you actually treat your enemies, if you have some, you probably aren't labeling them at least publicly enemies, but you know, the gal or the guy that is always on you and riding you, through Christ, you actually treat them differently. In fact, you start praying for them. Where does this come from? It comes from your relationship with Christ as you're growing in his word. It is shaping your character. Your relationships begin to live differently as you mature. If you are not maturing, your relationships are probably not looking different. And so you hear these people like, well, I became a Christian, but nothing changed. That's right, nothing changed. You never got on with the process of maturity. And frankly, generally Christians have completely dropped the ball of even caring about babes in Christ. We would never do this with a physical child. Look, uh, there's a one-month-old baby. Let's leave them out on the street and see how they do here, and we'll check on them next year. Would we do that? No. You go to prison for that, but we do that all the time spiritually. If you're a brand-new Christian, great. Blessings upon you, and you leave them there. They are clueless. They need help. We're to help them. Not only do you see maturity in Christ show up in your relationships, let me just tell you, many of the joys and troubles in our relationships are directly related to the level of development of our character, convictions, and fellowship with God. Our joys, you want to have a joyous family? It all gets started with abiding in Christ, growing his word, having your character become like Christ. On the other hand, you've got lots of breakdown. I have enemies everywhere. No one gets along with me, you know. Well, that's because there's some issues in your character that's probably rooted in your theology that God wants to address. But maturity not only shows up in your relationships, but another major venue that you see it is in your ministry slash career. And even when I say this, you're like, huh, ministry, career, what? the two don't go together. Actually, they're inseparable. Whatever God has equipped you to do, gifted you to do, called you to do, and likely you are doing, that is your ministry. It is one of your primary venues of ministry. Don't get the idea that the only people involved in ministry are the pastors and missionaries. They're the superstars and all the rest of us are just kind of barely slugging along in our secular jobs, right? That's not it at all. You are frontline ministers. Wherever that means, whether you're a homemaker or a professor, you're an auto mechanic or you're a pilot, it is what God has called you and equipped you to do, and you do it for his glory. It's a means of glorifying God, and it's a use of exercising the spiritual gifts and the gifts that God has given you for serving others. You glorify God on your job, or at least you're supposed to be, because that is your ministry. It's a major aspect of your ministry. And your ministry slash career also provides the financial means to support your life, your family, and it also gives you the ability to further God's kingdom by giving his acts of worship. But it's, this is your, your career, what you're doing with your life. Guess what? That is a major aspect of your ministry. This should be completely freeing to you and also put on a huge sense of responsibility that when you walk out these doors and you show back up on your workplace, whether that be tomorrow morning or, or this evening, that you represent Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity for you to glorify him. And a Christian's level of, of maturity and their understanding of maturity in Christ, guess where that shows up? It shows up big time in their careers slash ministry. And you have ministry uh, 
outside of the walls of this building, but you also have ministry within it. You have ministry to the church, the people of God. You're investing in their life. You are helping them, other people, grow in Christ. Because after all, what did Jesus tell us to do? He didn't say, uh, you know, if you get around it, pretty please, if you might just do this. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to make disciples. And so you're about it. Whether you're working with young kids, youth, college, adults, you are about helping people mature in Christ. And a primary avenue of that is actually you pouring your life into another. And so you see uh, your level of maturity. Guess where it shows up? It shows up in your relationships, and it shows up in your job. And so God uses the experiences and the trials of life. You know what he's doing? He's seeking to develop maturity in you, that you become more like his son, that you become Christ-centered, and the character of Christ is being reflected in your life. Now, all of this leads to us fulfilling the mission of making disciples. Let's go back to our text. What did Jesus command us to do? Anybody remember? I just said it two minutes ago. Come on, help me. That's right. We are to be making disciples. Jesus actually gives us the pattern. Remember we talked about it last week? He shows us how you make investments in people's lives. You get to know them. You're involved. But he also says, I want you to be about making disciples And that means that you're on a trajectory of maturity and you are also helping others mature as well. If you're not maturing, chances are you're not going to be engaged in helping others mature because you'll be found out to be rather fraudulent, right? But on the other hand, when you you realize that this is what God's intended for me, let me tell you, this is where living happens. When you walk by faith, you are totally out of your comfort zone and you're seeing God use you in the lives of other people. You are fulfilling the mission of making disciples. It's kind of like this. It's like this tree. You know this big oak tree that you're talking about? Well, an oak tree produces thousands of acorns. How many of you have oak trees, live oak trees in your yard? Okay. Is, is your yard like mine right now? It's covered with acorns. I have more acorns than grass right now. Do you guys have that issue? In fact, I'm not doing bark mulch anymore. I'm doing acorns, okay? They're, just, they're everywhere because a, an oak tree produces literally thousands and thousands of acorns if it is mature and is healthy. That's how it works. Well, guess what? Christ intends to produce that kind of fruit through your life. As you're abiding in Christ, growing in his word, your relationship with Christ, your character is being changed, you are branching out in your relationships and your ministry slash career, and you're literally bearing thousands of seeds of the gospel. The character of Christ is literally overflowing, and it is everywhere, and those acorns actually have the ability to actually take root and start their own tree. And that is how we spread the seeds of the gospel. We tell people about Christ, We give them examples of what it is. We are living for Christ ourselves, and acorns are falling everywhere. And some of those acorns take root. And some of you are a part of Fellowship Bible Church because the seeds of living in Christ fell from the life of another into your life, and God produced new life and growth. And so that's what God's doing. He is developing maturity in us where we're experiencing and sharing the ongoing realities of the gospel. We're living a life that glorifies God and and loves other people, that we are intentionally investing and discipling. Jesus said, go make disciples. We are intentionally investing ourselves in others. That is what he intended. 
we've got the idea that the Christian life is about entertainment. And we'll hire a few folks, and they'll better keep us entertained, and the music better be good, and we'll just show up like you're going to, like, the fair or something. No. It's all about people being equipped to do the work of the service. And what is that work? Ephesians 4 says the work of that service is that people are brought to maturity in Christ. The fullness of Christ is being manifested in their life. And so let me give you just two questions. Maturity matters. Two questions to ask on the path of personal maturity. One is this. Lord, what would maturity in Christ look like in this relationship or this situation? Try it. Please do this. I know this may be a new question, but you try this. So this afternoon... And things don't go right, okay? That happens like all the time in my life. Things don't go right, right? Lord, what would maturity in Christ look like in this situation or this relationship? At work, tomorrow, at school, on the job, with your kids, tomorrow night, whatever. Ask, ask God, what would it look like? And don't be surprised that the Spirit of God will give you a picture that will be quite different than how you are going to probably act, right? Oh. And... And if you're totally clueless, ask a wise Christian, what do you think I should do? Go to the Word. The Word will give you guidance on what maturity looks like. So you ask this question because you've got to know, but then you're like, I feel like being mad or blowing up or, or pouting or whatever, or going back into my passive-aggressive mode or whatever you do that you shouldn't be doing. And then you ask this question, Lord, would you give me the grace and the strength to live this way. I can't do this. But Lord, would you help me? When you do this, what happens is maturity starts taking place. And if this becomes the ongoing pattern in your life, guess what? You're going to end up a lot like Jesus, and that is what he intended. Now, there are four primary avenues by which Christ cultivates depth and maturity in a believer's life. Let's go back to that root system. You see those roots? Let me give you four primary avenues. One is your personal time with God. It's by spending time with God and his word and prayer. God cultivates. This, it's like the roots sink even deeper into him. Let me give you another aspect, another avenue. Large groups, like, like a worship service, like that you're in right now. This is an opportunity for us to worship and praise God, which in itself is energizing and freeing, delightful and a joy. But in worship services, there are also an opportunity for you to be further equipped, challenged, grow, mature. You see the greatness and glories of Jesus. Your heart is, is maybe convicted of sin. But you see the merits of Jesus has covered those things. You are freed and you're released. It's a, worship services are a great way of cultivating those roots in God. Let me give you another. Small groups, like whether you be in a fellowship family or in a Bible study, but some sort of small gathering where you're talking about the word talking about how the word and God's truth interfaces with your life. And let me give you a a final one, a final avenue. Life-to-life discipleship. The best way to grow is to put yourself in contact with a holy example. Life-to-life, talking, interfacing, interacting. Now, you may not have all of these avenues, and you don't necessarily have to have all these avenues. But I tell you this, the more you're cultivating roots the more you're going to be experiencing maturity. And maturity matters. It matters to God. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So let me just tell you, the maturity and health of a tree is determined by the development of the roots and the condition of the soil from which it draws its nutrients. That is true. You know what? You may have been a Christian, be a Christian for 15, 20, 30 years. That does not necessarily mean that you're mature. Just because you're growing old does not necessarily mean that you're growing mature. Because maturity looks like Christ, and it's through that process of knowing God and his word, having your character shaped, and it's showing up in your relationships and in your ministry slash career. On the other hand, let me tell you, if you're a brand new Christian, you can actually mature pretty quickly. Do you know how? By sinking deep roots in Jesus Christ, growing in these relationships. When I, uh, when Karina and I moved here to Texas, in front of our house, we had these two little rinky-dink little oak trees. I mean, they were like, kind of like the Charlie Brown Christmas kind of tree. They, were, they had wires holding them up, and they had some fence posts there. It was, it was a sight to behold. And I was kind of concerned. They, they weren't growing, okay? I saw other trees. I remember visiting one of our uh, older ladies in our, in our church who invited my family over, and she showed me these huge oak trees that she had in her yard. I'm like, yes, I remember when these are small. And like, it's a huge tree. And I'm like, my trees are never going to look like something is wrong with my trees, right? And so... I, you know, I, I tried fertilizer, tried pruning, asked the tree expert. I, I, I worked, you know, but I noticed over time they really they started to grow. Now I have got magnificent oak trees. They are maturing. It happens over time. But that is the intended result. Right now I've got acorns everywhere. But that's what maturity looks like. And friends, that's what God wants to do in our life. You know why maturity matters Maturity matters because it matters to Christ. And because maturity in Christ matters to God, it matters to his people. We are all about maturity. And so remember Jesus, Jesus said, you remember, remember the parable of the sower? You know that seed that fell into the, the rocky soil, uh, the, you know, the, excuse me, the soil with all the thorns? Well, you know what? Because it, uh, the worries of the world, the riches and the pleasures, it's like the thorns and the weeds. It chokes out the seed. And guess what? Jesus says it bears no fruit to maturity. Jesus wants maturity in our life. These are the things that kill it. On the other hand, if you hear the word with an honest and good heart, guess what? You bear fruit with perseverance. You become mature. And that's what God is after. Maturity matters. And friends, let me tell you, at Fellowship Bible Church, we are all about seeing people come to know Christ and all about them experiencing the fullness of maturity Christ. In fact, this tree is our vision statement. It's got four words, growing deep, reaching out. That's what we're all about. Every time you see our logo from a sign along the road here to on your bulletin to any sort of publication you see, that you see that mature oak tree, that is just a reminder that maturity in Christ is the mission. It's the mission of our church because it's the mission of of our Savior. Really, it's like we, are a, we should be like a growing orchard, just filled with trees that are some new, some that have been around for a little while, that are just bearing much fruit for the glory of Christ. And friends, that's what we're about. Remember Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 25, he says, you know, I've been entrusted with this mystery. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But let me tell you my mission. 
we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ, fully mature. That's our goal. And Paul says, you know what? It's, this is, for this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I give everything for this. And that is the focus of our church, to see people come to maturity in Christ because maturity matters. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for a time for us to take a few minutes to talk about something that is obviously extremely important to your heart, and that is that your people experience the fullness of maturity in Christ. And so, Father, would you keep us focused on Jesus, abiding in him, growing in him, And help us to understand what maturity looks like in our character, in our relationship with you, in our relationships with others, how we see our ministry, our careers. Lord, would you do a work that only you could do? Would you even start a transformational revolution, even in these minutes as we seek your face? And so we pray and ask great things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.